What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school, you're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. As the COVID-19 surge in India reaches catastrophic levels, and we all look for ways to make a difference, I want to revisit a conversation about disaster relief I had in 2019 with one of the most innovative and inspiring humanitarians I've ever known, Jose Andres. Jose, a world-renowned chef, started his organization, World Central Kitchen, to ensure that people in crisis are treated with dignity and respect and have good food to eat. Whenever and wherever disaster strikes, Jose and his team can be counted on to be on-site, building massive relief operations from the ground up. As you'll hear in our conversation, he and I have worked together often, most recently using the restaurant at my presidential center in Little Rock to prepare more than 700,000 meals for people in need in central Arkansas during the pandemic. Since the beginning of the pandemic, World Central Kitchen has partnered with more than 2,500 small restaurants to help them keep their doors open while feeding vulnerable members of their communities. They've also continued to respond to natural disasters, like the recent volcanic eruption on St. Vincent, the largest Atlantic hurricane season on record last year, and the unprecedented wildfires in the American West. Now they're providing food and hydration to the medical staff working around the clock in India. In a time when there's so much need at home and abroad, I hope you'll be inspired by listening to Jose describe how he came to do this work and by realizing that we all have unique gifts that can be put to use in service of others. 
Bill Clinton is expected to be named a special United Nations envoy to Haiti. A spokesman for the... The Haiti earthquake was really tough for a lot of us. I had been there a year working for the United Nations, and a bunch of our people, including the head of our delegation, were killed. January 12, 2010. A catastrophic earthquake ravaged Haiti's capital, Port-au-Prince, shaking whole neighborhoods to bits and leaving one and a half million people homeless. Now the White House says it has asked former Presidents Bill Clinton and George W. Bush to help in the relief effort, and President Clinton... When we went down there about 10 days later, there was a park where, in the good weather, they had 10 after 10 after 10 of craftsmen doing wooden metalwork. It was a great place. Unbelievably, we came down there in the middle of this wreckage, and there was... I counted them, there were eight people who had their pictures up again. It was a typical time there'd be somewhere between 70 and 100. I went and I had this long kind of UN convoy. I said, stop, I want everybody to get out and buy something. We've got to buy something from these eight people. we got to support them. So I went over and bought a couple of pictures. And this guy said, wait, wait, President Clinton, you can't go. Come here. You have to come here. So I came around and he said, in 2003, when you came here, he said, you came here, you stopped here, and you bought a picture from me. So he said, I hope you'll do it again. So I bought another picture. And I said to the guy, I said, you know, I just, I cannot believe you guys are here. This must be so hard. He said, it's not hard for me. I have nothing else to do. I lost my wife and children. I'm alone now. And I said, how can you do this? He said, it's the only way I can honor them. Look around. We're a little family here. They know if I can be here, they should be too. And we have to begin again. I mean, that's the kind of stuff you come up against. Just the unbelievable courage and goodness and decency. You know, somebody that's not all that different from you is broken and still standing and still going on and sharing one more precious day of life. A lot of these people are lucky to be alive, but they don't feel very fortunate. We need some water, some food, everything. We need some medicine, you know what now. Along a short stretch of just this one street, we found disaster next to disaster where there used to be people's homes. So why am I telling you this? Because if you've never been in a natural disaster, if you've never been in a town that was leveled by a tornado or a hurricane, if you've never been in a community that was totally flooded out, if you've never been there, you forget these are people just like you and me. They're worried about their children or their grandchildren or their parents or their grandparents. You know, they don't know what to do. You go into a disaster area where people are flat on their back and their children are dead and they're, they've lost every letter they ever saved from their loved ones and they have no family pictures left or, you know, you name it. There's a story everywhere you go. Today I'll be talking with Jose Andres, who is uh, an American immigrant success story. Jose Andres, who's already well-known to food-loving television audiences, is also becoming increasingly known for his work to help in the wake of natural disasters like Florence. Uh, World Central Kitchen, which is the organization I created around the Haiti earthquake, is a very simple idea. We make sure that when there is hungry people, especially under very difficult circumstances, that people are going to have a decent plate of hot food. You know, I always have this enduring image of Jose sort of standing 
with broken concrete blocks and wire and mangled metal all around him, flipping fried eggs, just because it's somehow he always finds a way to find a kitchen. That's why we're speaking to him today. Jose, let's just jump right in. How did you decide to become a chef? I I always believe in following life. Life has a plan for all of us. Sometimes we decide to listen, and sometimes we follow, and sometimes we fight it. I'm the type of guy that listens to life. And my father uh, would love to cook. Men cook in Spain. It's like uh, if you are not a chef, if you don't feed your family, if you don't feed your friends, mm, you are not at the, at the right uh, uh, social status. Cooking is, is part of who you are, makes you better. And I always saw my dad cooking at home. Obviously, my mother, who she was a great, a great cook. And I was not doing very well at school, let's say, in the traditional uh, education system. But it's not like I fell because I didn't care. I was spending more time hands-on working in restaurants around Barcelona every hour I had free than going to school. Again, the traditional education system was not something that was the best way for me to learn. And I always was trying to find other ways that I could be better. That's how I became uh, uh, um, a cook, how I became in love uh, 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 with food. But probably the moment, Mr. President, was when helping my father in one of those Sundays that he would cook for all his friends. One day we could be 20, other days we could be 100. My father would put me always in charge of the fire. And he would send me to the forest to gather the wood. And I will make a fire. And he will have this very big paella pan, a gigantic pan where we make rice dishes in Spain. And that day I wanted to cook. I didn't want to make the fire anymore. I was doing the fire for too long. Say, Daddy, when I cook, my dad said, no, you have to make the fire. You are the only one that knows how to do it. It's a big paella. He sent me away because I got very upset. So we'll speak later. When the paella was made, he got me aside and he told me, my son, I understand. You wanted to do the cooking, to put the, the, the spoon, to stir the pot. But actually, you were in charge of the most important, which is making the fire and controlling the fire. If you control the fire, you can do any cooking you want. Control the fire and you will be in control of your destiny. I think that probably was the moment that I saw that, yes, cooking was in my future. Uh, not just physically, that was going to be my profession. But understanding that if we all learn and understand what our fire is, we can achieve anything we want in the world. What a wonderful story. You know, we started working together about a decade ago in Haiti. Ever since then, when we come in contact, it's usually because somebody's in trouble and you're there trying to help them. It's true that I began working with the Clinton Global Initiative uh, right after the earthquake in Haiti. But but not because I'm here and this is your podcast and you're the president and this is your show and I'm trying just to to look like I want to impress you. But you, you had a huge impact on me, uh, Mr. President. I need to go back to 1995, 1996, Washington, D.C. I arrived Washington 1993 myself. And you were coming every year around Thanksgiving time. Even you show up a few other times. Uh, with uh, Mrs. Clinton, and you came to a place which is still is one of the most amazing organizations called DC Central Kitchen, where Robert Egger, the founder, one of the 
of of the guys that has uh, had had a huge influence in me uh, created this kind of badly called soup kitchen because it's much more feeds eight nine thousand people a day, and you you were there peeling potatoes and and cooking turkeys. And, and But also we take homeless out of the streets and then we clean them and then we train them to be cooks and then we graduate them and then we find them jobs in the community. It's the type of organizations that we need to be telling America about because they are really effective. And it's organizations that they don't throw money at the problem, but they invest into solutions. And in one of your visits, you 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 were working hard like anybody else. But one time you kind of gave a speech uh because it was senators and congressmen coming also. And on your speech, I was 26 years old. For some reason, you put me in that speech and you mentioned Jose Andres as an example of volunteers in America. Every year, listen to this, every single year here, 5,000 volunteers roll up their sleeves and give something back to their community. People like Jose Andres, one of the premier young chefs in America. See here today? Stand up here, Jose. Now, despite the literally crazy demands of his job, he comes here every single week to share his passion and his skills with all the students, and he encourages other friends to join him every time he comes. And I'm telling you that that had a huge influence on me because, you know, uh, you, you, you did recognize me, uh, even I didn't expect that because I was just one more person because it takes a village to, to feed and empower a lot of people. And that I remember forever, the day that President Clinton uh, kind of recognized uh, Jose Andres, 26-year-old boy. So you had a big influence on me in that sense of service to the community and going beyond your duty to serve others. And I've never stopped, quite frankly. Stay tuned for more of the conversation after this short break. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge 
indulges your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash iHeart. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. You just arrived, before we started this conversation, from Mozambique, where you've been helping people in response to the terrible uh, cyclone, Ida, which um, a lot of Americans, I have the feeling, don't have any idea how truly horrible it is, partly because it hit a lot of places in inland Africa, and we haven't gotten enough film of it. But it's one of the worst natural disasters to hit uh, the lower part of Africa in a very long time. So give us an update. What did you do in Mozambique? How are they doing? All right. So in the moment we heard about the cyclone, uh, 72 hours later, we had the team. We opened a kitchen. Then we opened a second kitchen. Uh, we are feeding uh, around uh, 14th, 15th uh, refugee camps, uh, schools, and hospitals. Uh, I'm here in a camp uh, called Peacock here in the city of Beira. Uh, today we are serving uh, chicken with rice. Um, as you see, uh, uh, big lines for two, three, four hours. I think it's around 1,500 people here. I see a lot of tents. Uh, yesterday we reached almost 20,000 meals a day. We already reached over 150,000 meals, and that's why I went there to make sure my team was doing good, that we were doing the right thing with the cholera break. Actually, I'm very happy because we are super clean the way we work, the way we make people wash their hands before they get the food, et cetera, et cetera. And in the process, we feed as many people as we can. So we partner with World Food Program. We partner, obviously, United Nations, and and it's going well. Uh, I don't feel we're helping. I feel we're still learning. Uh, every time I show up, I show up with all people that they've been before with us in missions. But always we try to bring new people. Why? Because it's very important that we make people learn. And how do you learn? By being there, hands-on. This is a truly global organization, and it's uh, with the World Central Kitchen. And how you have been able to mobilize people, this has been a busy time for you because – I want to come back to Puerto Rico in a minute, but after the terrible hurricane damage in Puerto Rico, Jose was there and we started working together again there. But he's also been to the Venezuelan border to feed people, to the Nebraska floodlands to feed people. And one of his World Central Kitchens uh, kitchens was in the parking lot of my presidential library in Arkansas because we had an unusual number of people in, in and around Little Rock affected by the government shutdown. In Little Rock, furloughed employees get to enjoy a chef-made meal. It's part of the World Central Kitchen, which sends food trucks to natural disasters or where there's some kind of need. 
We've got the need here. It's all over the country for the most part. Care Corps Rebecca Jeffrey shows us what's on the menu for a lot of furloughed folks and for how long. Yeah, so the government shutdown was a national emergency to a lot of people who weren't getting paid and didn't have any other way to feed themselves. How much trouble do you have getting adequate supplies to do what you're supposed to do? Well, the, the truth is that, uh, let me bring it to America. One place that I have nightmares because I wish I was there. It's almost a place like I wish I was able to go back in time and be there. Uh, and being able to call you and say, I need your help. Katrina, the Superdome. But thousands are still corralled here at the city's sports arena, the Superdome. Soldiers from Oklahoma and Texas have piped in music, but it doesn't seem to lift the mood, one of utter despair. We remember the nightmare stories were coming yeah, out yeah. of the Superdome. Thousands of Americans in a place without basic water supplies, showers, food, women being raped, all the stories we heard. Do you know what entire stadium is? Entire arena? A sports complex? Yeah, people will describe it as a place that you go to watch an NBA team or a concert. But let me tell you how I describe it. It's a gigantic restaurant that entertains with NBA. That means you send two trucks, you send a little army of cooks. In two hours, we open all the all the places that serve you, the hot dogs and the burgers. And in two hours, we are feeding every single person. America is a gigantic restaurant. The only thing we do is we go, we oversee. What is left? What can we activate? Do we have a kitchen? Do we have to bring a generator? Do we need to bring gas? It's always something around you. What we try to do is maximize what is around us. So when I go to more difficult places like Mozambique or like Venezuela or Colombia in the border, it's not any different. It's always a restaurant somewhere. It's always somebody with a generator that is not using. It's somebody always with LPG. It's always, it's always the resources out there. Only you need to be very quickly in adapting. That's what World Central Kitchen does. We don't own hard assets. We don't own hardware. We own software. We can go anywhere and adapt. If I am waiting for a kitchen that is supposed to be deployed by the military or by Mars or who knows who, sometimes it's a week, two weeks, three weeks later, and you're still waiting for the kitchen. We don't wait. We don't plan. We don't meet. We arrive, we find the kitchen, we start cooking, and we start feeding. In the process, the plan shows up. When you go into a disaster zone, is the first thing you do ask for the assessment of what the cooking capacity is right now? Is that what you do first? Yeah, we will um, very quickly assess where are we cooking, who who has uh, control of uh, of goods, dry goods, any vegetables, any anything is available. We'll make sure electricity through generators is covered and obviously gas. Those are kind of the four areas. And the fifth, which is the most important, um, besides the people that fly in first, who who are the local, the local leaders that can help us? And the great thing is that, as you know, uh, the world has to eat every day. So it's, it's millions, hundreds of millions of people that they are cooks. And we realize that people love to come together and become one. And that's what we do. Um, uh, so yes, the, the cooking facility is very important for us. And that's usually before we land, we already know 
right now, and thanks to your initiative, Mr. President, obviously for Puerto Rico and the Caribbean, every time we have a better idea of what are the facilities we may use in case, for example, of of another hurricane. So um, we have uh, more than 20, 30 food trucks that we can be activating immediately. We have many kitchens around the island, for example, in Puerto Rico, that we know which ones are the ones that if they are safe from the hurricane, because you cannot just say one kitchen. You have to prepare for the worst of the worst. So you have to have many. So you are safe from all of them being badly damaged. So very much that's what we do in places we've been before. Now I know what to do around Antigua if the volcano explodes again. We know what to do in Puerto Rico if something happens again. We know what to do in Florida. We know what to do uh, in, in, in Nebraska. We know what to do in the fires in California. So every time we answer to one of those, what is very important for us is, is that all this information, all this know-how uh, doesn't disappear. We'll be right back. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Let me ask you this. When, when you leave a place, World Central Kitchen, 
And then I want to come back specifically to Puerto Rico because I don't think still people in the United States fully understand the dimensions of the challenge and how we have responded poorly, I think. But when you leave a place, do you do an inventory of the kinds of supplies that should be, I think the term of art is pre-positioned, that's stockpiled, so that if there's something else that happens, someone who knows less than you do can show up and figure it out in a hurry? Mm. We are we are talking about that, and specifically thanks to the the different groups you've created around that issue. But sometimes I feel like, and don't misunderstand me with that, but too much planning sometimes is too much. We need to do the right planning. And with that, I mean, the most important is obviously showing up. And the most important is to start doing what you're supposed to do. Let's say generators. A lot of the people that die in Puerto Rico, Mr. President, they die because lack of electricity. Why? Because it's many elderly that they had issues breathing. They needed machines to help them breathe. My mom had one. I know it needs electricity and recharging if she's going away, uh, away from home. When people had no electricity for weeks and months in different parts of Puerto Rico, high up in the mountains, or they had a generator and somebody could provide them gas, or those people were going to eventually get in trouble and maybe die. I can tell you that we had hundreds of generators piled in San Juan for weeks. But nobody was doing the distribution. Sometimes to have assets doesn't equal a good response, Mr. President. To have the assets alone is not good enough. Distribution is key. And distribution You need people that really are very much willing to do whatever it takes to bring that generator, that plate of food, those medicines, or whatever it takes to the people that need them. So distribution to me is more important than the pre-positioning of the assets. Even, don't misunderstand me, Wilmington, we did a very good job. I was very happy with my team. Why? Because before the hurricane came in, we already had four kitchens pre-positioned around the state. But more important, in Wilmington, we had two tracks because we knew that the hurricane was coming that way. We had two entire tracks full of food worth 10 days for at least 10,000 people. Hello, people of America here. Uh, Jose Andres already from our headquarters uh, in Wilmington. We have another uh, kitchen in Raleigh. We're going to be producing today between both kitchens on the north of 15,000. If it's needed, probably we'll reach 20,000. Uh, I think we're going to be feeding a total of around 25 shelters. We are doing the map. So yes, to understand the assets and predeposition those assets is very important. But what is more important at the end of the day is the willingness to adapt and then the willingness to do distribution. If you don't do distribution, that's a matter of how much, how many assets you have in hand. It's, if, the, if they don't reach the people, equals zero, zero relief. Let's talk about Puerto Rico just a little bit. It's amazing to me, but apparently a lot of Americans don't even know that Puerto Rico is part of the United States. It's a territory. But uh, as a territory, it has different uh, rules in terms of how it gets health care. For example, they're not in Medicaid. They don't get the SNAP food assistance programs. They get block grants. And uh, lately, there's been a fair amount of confusion about how much aid they've gotten. So, so I mean, we know about that. I don't want to get into politics, but let's just talk about facts. I mean, you and I have been there. I'm interested in the people. 
the American people need to know this. Last year, before the Democrats had one House of Congress, when both houses were Republicans, they voted to give $600 million in food aid to Puerto Rico, which has still not been released. We still need help in Puerto Rico just feeding people because of money that has been appropriated by our Congress on a totally bipartisan basis has not been released. So we need to think about going forward for Puerto Rico, how they cannot be hungry again. And uh, there are lots of other health and development issues, but this is crazy. But They're uh, Americans. But I know that you believe, as, as many, that uh, Puerto Rico is a huge opportunity for, for America. It's a rich island. It is rich in human and natural resources. It's an ecological miracle, and it should be a very prosperous place. And to go back to what you said, I know there have been some problems in the past, but recently we went to Puerto Rico together to look at what is being done that we're helping on or maybe could help on. And you took me to meet this astonishing young couple who could be making a lot more money doing something else, who decided they wanted to do environmentally sustainable farming. Franco and his wife, Natalia. Welcome to Las Piedras. And Bruno, important part of the family. Bruno! And how much land do you farm personally? So we have an acre and a half of land. Uh, we started only cultivating half an acre. And after Maria, we have taken our commitment even further and we grow to the other acre we have available. So now uh, we have an acre and a half. And who are your customers? My customers are basically direct consumers. So we have been growing the business and the farm through word of mouth. So now we have like a big network of people, family and people that know people that have come to support us and buy our products locally. Are they a subscriber to your... Yes, yes. Uh, so basically, we deliver direct to them, yeah, either in their houses or their business. I thought a lot about that young couple you took me to see. Yeah, that was uh, Franco, Franco and Natalia. Franco and Natalia. You know, the people I help in Africa, they want their children to go to school so they can do better. And all they've got is a half acre of land or an acre of land. And it's a joyful thing. But the thing that was encouraging about the Puerto Rico project is these people were young and educated. They were taking a hit to become farmers for the first few years of their married life, their family life. They won't do as well probably as they would have if they'd done. They were probably 10 other things they could have done. They did it because they know that they have to learn to feed themselves on an island. They know that sustainable agriculture and small farmers are the future of uh, the region, which is one of the two most vulnerable in the world to climate change and rising sea levels. They know this. And that's something you should be really proud of, that you're involved in something where young, articulate, educated, far-sighted people say, I'm going to stay here and we're going to make this a farm, just a place on the side of a hill. And what you saw, Mr. President, is what we call plow to plate, where we did in the first uh, eight, nine months uh, uh, during two, 2018, uh, give grants between 5,000 and 25,000 to around 40 farmers. And then just recently, after your trip to Puerto Rico with your foundation, we announced with partners that we are going to increase the total number up to $4 million to impact another 200 farms. 
So those two farmers you're talking are used a big family of farmers all across the island that we hope to make sure that those farmers are part of a new Puerto Rico where Puerto Rico will stop importing 90% of the food they consume. This is crazy. We're going to try to reach at least 25-30% of the foods Puerto Ricans eat to be produced in Puerto Rico, creating a local economy, creating jobs, creating an identity, and make sure that in the process we keep pushing Puerto Rico forward. First, I want to thank you because I know how much you do in so many places. You're always there. But I thank you for also being willing to stay in places until they don't need you anymore. So bless you for that and all else, and thanks for everything you've done. Thank you, Mr. Bruce. And little farms like these show us the way for Puerto Rico being food independent. So right now, our central kitchen has uh, invested, giving grants to more than 40 farms. And very soon, we're going to be announcing many more uh, with CAI as our partners. And I want to make sure that World Central Kitchen, in a way, exists because we've seen the work of CAI over the years. How CAI goes community to community, country to country, and use partners uh, with local initiatives to make them stronger. To the degree, World Central Kitchen, what we are is a food arm of many of these initiatives CEI does. We, we are chefs for the people. So we help to make sure that the places we are, they become food independent. After hurricanes or well beyond, where food is the agent of change to give farmers like them a better future. Why Am I Telling You This is a production of iHeartRadio, the Clinton Foundation, and At Will Media. Our executive producers are Craig Manassian and Will Malnati. Our production team includes Mitch Bluestein, Jameson Katsoufis, Tom Galton, Sarah Horowitz, and Jake Young, with production support from Tyler Scott and Latavia Young. Original music by Watt White. Special thanks to John Sykes, Tina Flanoy, John Davidson, Angel Urena, Corey Gansley, Oscar Flores, Kevin Thurm, and all our dedicated staff and partners at the Clinton Foundation. If you have an idea or suggestion for the show, we'd love to hear from you. So please visit clintonfoundation.org slash podcast to share your thoughts with us. If you like the show, tell someone else about it. You can subscribe to Why Am I Telling You This on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. By listening to this podcast, you're helping support the work of the Clinton Foundation. So thank you. Hi, I'm Becca Curtis-Heald, and I'm a deputy director at the Clinton Global Initiative. President Clinton established the Clinton Global Initiative to create a new kind of philanthropic community to address the complex realities of our modern world, where problem-solving required the active partnership of government, business, and civil society. Over the years, our proven model has grown to include action networks that can quickly mobilize in the face of emergencies. Whether that's helping Puerto Rico and the Caribbean recover in the wake of Hurricanes Irma and Maria, or advancing an inclusive U.S. economic recovery amid COVID-19. To learn more about this work and see how you can get involved, visit clintonfoundation.org slash podcast. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today.